Brought to you by Hug House Productions. Previously on Desperado. Well, fuck. When I'd come down to where I was supposed to meet Elio, he wasn't there. And between the music and the people, losing my friends, not knowing what in the fuck was going on, I mean, I, I could feel the panic attack creeping up on me. Especially in a space like that, where I couldn't deploy my wings. I needed some air so bad, but I had to find Elio, and he was probably gonna show up any minute just had to hold on a, a little bit longer, and it would all be fine. It would all be fine. No, he wouldn't be late for something like that. I had to reach him. So I ran back to the rooftop, so certain that he wouldn't answer, that something terrible had happened. I mean, that's why I yelled when you picked up, but after that call, I thought, well, I, I thought they had it under control. I don't have to do my number tonight. I could I could really use a drink, you know? Just one. Always wanted to go out to the bell tower anyway, so might as well. I walked up to the bar and well, my mind said that I should order about five shots of tequila, I just got a cider. Took my wallet out and as I went to pay. Would you mind if I got that? I'm sorry? What? Can I buy you that drink? Fuck, he was handsome. With his wavy, messy hair, but, but intentionally done, you know? Like, clean-cut messy. And the kind of face that is just unfair. And you immediately don't trust these people, because it's like they know what they look like, and surely they've learned how to use it, so what are they trying to get from me? Where's the pyramid scheme? And I, I, I panicked. I, I replied... Why do you want my drink? <laughs> no, okay, sorry to bother you. I just thought... Never mind. Wait, were you... Yeah. I just thought you were cute, and I wanted to say hi. Yeah, hi. I'm, um... Callum. Nice to meet you. I'm Asher. Pleasure. Are you here with... friends, or...? I was. They just left. One of them got really drunk, and they had to leave, but I... Thought I'd have one last drink before I go. Well, I'm glad you did. Really? That's a bit early to say, don't you think? What do you mean? I mean, I very well might be a dickhead. <laughs> Is that a joke or a red flag? Only one way to find out. I took a sip from my drink as he smiled back at me. He knew I was playing, but he seemed game. Where's your accent from? Oh, you know, all over the place. I'm a professional dancer. Oh. Yeah, the troupe I perform with, we travel a lot, so that's kind of where it comes from. Do you do you speak any other languages? Yeah, uh, Japanese, some Spanish, and I signed that sentence at the same time with a big proud smile on my face. Gotta make the most of all of these lessons Marcus put me through. So, four total. That's not bad. Not bad? Yeah. I've got 11. Oh, okay. How did that happen? It's part of the job. I'm a researcher. Researcher? In what? Well, languages. Languages. Yeah. 
Right. I should have seen that one coming. It's okay. At least you're pretty. <laughs> Fuck off. You are, though. You really are. And as he said that, he moved a little closer. One hand on the counter, almost touching my arm, and the other just waiting for my hip. And I thought, why not? Honestly, why not? I, I could have a night off for once. And you know, feeling someone's hand on you for the first time, it just never gets old. He gently pressed against me and, um, yeah, we, we kissed. It was, uh, it was great. When I pulled back, the way he was looking at me, I couldn't contain a very nervous laugh, which he said was cute, which didn't help. And the rest of the evening, we just, we talked about mundane stuff, which was great because I never get to talk about stuff like that. It's always blood and swords and wings. He actually asked me about me. It wasn't just about where I came from or, or what I could do or what I had to offer. There was something so childlike about his excitement to meet someone new. He just wanted to know what I liked, what I didn't, what made me laugh and for someone raised in a family that cared more about what they wanted from me than getting to know me, it was petrifying to try and let myself be seen. Because, you know, that never turned out well before. But even in those instances when he saw me retreat from this attention, he carried the conversation, guiding it to an easier subject or asking for more details about something I got excited about. And it's hard to explain the difference, but in those moments, he talked for me, not at me. And it meant it was okay if there was some stuff I didn't like talking about, if there were gaps and shadows between us. He still wanted my company. And in the end, I just kept apologizing for talking too much about stuff that didn't matter, but... I mean, yeah, I, I hate to say it in front of you guys, but I had a great night. Well, you didn't have to say it. Mm -hmm. At least not until, say, a couple hours later, when he asked me... Do you have anywhere to be? Later? Tonight? Uh, not really. I was just gonna head home, check on my friends. You know what I'm asking, right? Where do you live? About 15 minutes away? Yeah, that works. Great. Just, uh, oh, um, let me send a text first. Oh, I still have that text, by the way. You want me to read it? Sure. Hey, full stop, still at the club, be back later, THX. Short and sweet. No, this this is nothing. I mean, you, you know what? You said you were you know fine, you know and what? I was... We, I admit, I haven't heard the full story. I'm going to reserve my judgment, give you the benefit of the doubt, so just carry on. I knew what your incident meant, okay? I knew Marcus wouldn't risk Nova safety for us. We'd have to leave and walk away from the only place I've ever felt good about calling home. So is it so bad that I wanted that night to be just a little longer? That this was a good thing and I hadn't had enough of those to just be better and pull away? You good to go? Yeah. Are we taking the tube or... Oh, no. This way. He walked me towards the edge of the rooftop, which got me very confused until I saw a glider rise from the street and answer his call. It was the same kind of wooden vehicle that Joan had used months ago. 
Asher was a warlock. Worse. Asher was somehow SCU. I hope you're not afraid of heights. And he smiled at me again. When I met you two, the, the spirit in me, it sensed death. It told me to keep an eye on you, that you had killed before and you would do it again. Same thing with Samar, Leo, and even Marcus. But with Asher, there was none of that. It just felt right. And I could blame it on the alcohol, I could pretend I had deeper motives to learn more about the SCU, or I could just say that I was thinking with my pants and I thought I could get away with it. But it's not true. I just wanted to spend more time with him. So when he offered me a hand, I took it. Part of me regrets it to this day. London is beautiful from above, especially at night. I held on to Asher as we flew above this maze of lights, and I had to stop myself from just letting go, drifting away with the wind. How's the view? I missed it. You've done this before? Um, no, no not like that. I mean, um, I meant like I... You know, I've been on the London Eye. Oh, yeah, because that's, like, the same thing. I mean, the eye is heated, but this is nice, too. <laughs> Should I just drop you off right now, then? Would you? I ran a finger down his back, and I felt him shiver. Maybe not yet. Thought so. He laughed, but then glanced over his shoulder. He looked at me for uh, a little too long, and I... Uh, leaned back instinctively. You're not even nervous. Um, I mean, I've been hit on before. <laughs> no, we're hundreds of feet up in the air with, like, no seatbelt, nothing. And you are barely holding on to me. You're not scared. At all. Would you like to know why? Why? Alcohol. <laughs> you absolute lightweight. Have you not sobered up? <laughs> A little bit. I knocked on the glider and asked, So, you know, just to, to check some SCU, right? Yeah, two years now. He said it so proudly. I mean, why wouldn't he? After all, they were the kingdom's protectors. I bet every little kid wanted to be one of the flying guardians one day. So I followed with, and how is it? It's a lot, yeah. There's so few of us to watch over the country, and the situation in the Americas is just getting worse. But hey, it's my first night off in ages. Do you mind if we talk about something else? Because that's just depressing. Well, want to tell me how you're flying this thing, then? Uh, how much do you like maths? I can pretend. Okay, short version. There's about a hundred different spells and equations intertwined on a glider's frame. They define its shape, its mass, surface interactions, everything. And you have got to make the whole thing from scratch in exactly the right order. Just keep it from blowing up. You craft each spell so you don't just believe it can fly. You know beyond all certainty that it can. So you're not just 
like levitating it. No, that would be exhausting. This thing is running on years of will that I put into it at the academy. I barely have to think about it. Could anyone build one? Absolutely not. The blueprints are an academy secret. Yeah, sure, but I mean, you know, according to what you said, their blueprint is right under my ass, so... You're sitting on the solution. You have no idea what problem it solves. Why would I need the problem? To know what keeps you from bursting into flames. And how to keep it that way. Ah. And this is home. Of course it was a loft. Ugh. The kind of bachelor pad designed like a car store. I mean, literally glass houses with no inside walls. Asher gently brought down the glider to the ground and I hopped off. The door's open. And I mean, it was exactly what I had expected. The sparkling clean, minimalist home of someone who is never there. Just a place to crash in between shifts. Behind me, Asher closed the door, came up behind me and almost... Almost kissed my neck. But as he had pressed his body against mine, I felt him get tense. And then freeze. And he felt me do the same. The gun. I still had the gun. I still had the fucking gun. The rest all happened in less than a second. I almost heard crackling in the air as tension rose. Asher hadn't even said a word yet, but the world all around was brought to life. His embrace had turned into a hold, and I... I was an idiot. Because cause the only reason Asher hadn't spoken is that my wings deployed as soon as I felt the danger. They tore through the back of my shirt, and then recoiled on themselves. As surely as he had held me, my wings held him. Six barbs were now pressed against both sides of his neck, shoulders, and kidneys, and so neither of us moved. Well, that took a turn. Yeah. Not the fun night you guys kept thinking I was having, huh? You know, between the Talia and A&E and me getting caught, it's kind of nice to think we always struggle together. Nice? Oh, actually, bring us back to speed, Elio. Shinji's a few hours ahead of that evening. Right, yeah. After that warlock had taken Talia, his colleague just silently watched over me as we waited for a police car to show. Because he certainly wasn't going to take me on a romantic flight above London. There was... yeah, there was nothing to do in that moment. So I didn't say a word. Not even a prayer. Katrina belongs to another continent entirely, and she had already given me all the help she could, so what was the point? And either you've seen the blue lights coming for you before, or you haven't. I can tell you my heart was pounding, my legs were shaking, my brain was replaying every previous event that led me to this fucking situation. And I can describe it, I can. But I can't make you feel it. I got into the car and we drove off. It took less than 15 minutes to get to the ward, and it was cozier than expected. Inside its grey walls, it smelled of amber and clementine. Witches and warlock in uniforms went about with less zeal than outside. They smiled and chattered amongst each other with a casualness that felt so alien. I was ready to beg for my life and they were just discussing their weekends. 
and they carried with them a crushing aura of power. They were used to be in control. They were certain of their abilities. They were everything I wanted to be. Part of something greater, efficient, confident. They were, they were just born right. A uniform ushered me into a room to take my mugshot, but we got interrupted. Another officer whispered something to the one that had captured me, and they, they both escorted me out of the room, their hands holding my arms tighter than before. Which was completely unnecessary, because my hands were still encased in stone from the pavement. They took me to an elevator, pressed a button, and down we went. Way deeper than I expected. When the doors reopened, it was to reveal a dark hallway with dozen double-plated doors on each side. Vaults from a fucking dungeon. And from the size of the door, you'd think they kept bears in there. The nearest vault opened, and I was thrown in. Behind us, I heard the elevator doors open again, and someone stepped out. Thank you, gentlemen. I'll take it from here. I have to admit, assault and battery is not why I thought you'd be brought in. She flashed me a smile, then walked past me and whispered something under her breath. I felt a shockwave course through the floor and walls, as Joan's will took control of the earth all around us. She lifted a finger and a block of granite emerged from the ground, along with a stool on each side. Sit down. You know, Marcus had trained us well. Despite wanting to throw at her all the frustration, rage, and despair I felt, despite my desire to unleash the blood shield and crush her body against the walls of this cell, I... I stayed still. I crafted a sorry, harmless expression on my face, and I heard myself say, I can explain. Of course you can. So, how does a circus act knock out two warlocks without breaking a sweat? Well, I was qualified MMA instructor before Marcus scouted me. Qualified MMA... Mr. Garcia, are you familiar with the term Dawn Witch? No. Here, we commonly refer to the earliest schools of witchcraft as the Dawn Knowledge. Our predecessors were not strong enough to reach the world around them, so they altered the only thing they could control. Themselves. A Dawn, a dawn Witch, witch is, is faster, faster, stronger, stronger and, and simply better. better. A, dawn a Dawn Witch, witch is shackled by no fetter. I recoiled instinctively. Witchcraft worked exactly like Samar and Marcus had described it. All a witch had to do was make a rhyme and be deranged enough to believe in it. And I saw the change in her, the way her body grew incredibly dense, heavier, her, her senses sharper, even her voice carried easier. A dawn witch can do this. She slammed one of her arms against the table and the entire block almost fell apart. Maybe I should have leaned into my role a bit more in fake surprise and fear, but... And I think it's tied with being possessed, but we don't like intimidation. Oh, completely. There's a whole how-dare-you element to it. Do you know who I am? Oh, yeah. Literally. Like, I'm basically a god. Who are you? Gods are prideful. And whether we like it or not, it rubs off on us. So Joan's little demonstration had the opposite effect. I felt calm again. The avatar of a god wasn't going to lose face like that. And the least I could do as a student of Marcus is to try and talk my way out of trouble. Now, Mr. Garcia, 
When a Dawn Witch fails to graduate the Academy, what other jobs do you believe they qualify for? I'm sure they make coveted bodyguards or bouncers, but that's if you let them speak. They're usually ordered to maintain their enhancements throughout their shifts. Do you believe a reject from the Academy could sustain such effort for eight hours? <laughs> no, absolutely not. But why would a civilian make the same assumption? I'm a fighter, madam. Everything I know I had to learn the hard way. What else have you learned, Mr. Garcia? I'm not sure I understand. The files Marcus submitted on your behalf a few months ago clearly state you have no ability for witchcraft. Yet, one of my lieutenants witnessed something very different tonight. His statement says you summoned a shockwave with enough momentum to throw a poor woman against a wall. He added, in both texture and pattern, it behaved like a textbook water shield, which, if true, makes you a warlock. And quite a skillful one at that. But I am left wondering, where would you have drawn the water from? Is it my word against your lieutenants, madam? What is your word, Mr. Garcia? I'm a tall stranger in a country at war. I get stared at in the street, I get followed in shops, I get asked for my papers for alone for too long. This, this city has tried to bring me to you in this room ever since we arrived. What am I being accused of here? Because <laughs> even if it was the case, if this was hypothetically just a mistake on my work visa, I my don't believe... My men do not make mistakes. And you're being detained for suspicion of devotion. So unless you can tell me where that water came from, you're not getting out of here. I would like my phone call now. <laughs> Goodness. Maybe this isn't coming across, but while I've enjoyed your little quips, I am no constable, and this isn't a regular holding cell. There's... No phone call. No lawyer. Just me. Shall we talk about your tattoos? Oh, that got a reaction. Yeah. I also have mention of a glowing tattoo here. Would you be so kind as to roll up your sleeves for me? I froze. And... Mr. Garcia? I would like your cooperation, but if you won't, then I'll be forced to... <laughs> No choice. If the only way is through, you can't let anyone stand in it. The shockwave scattered debris of the table and stools across the room, and Joan crashed against the opposite wall. I felt my body turn cold and my heart stutter, but I stood still. And to my dismay, so did Joan. She simply brushed the dust off her uniform, rolled a shoulder, and smiled at me. <laughs> Fascinating. I blinked and she was onto me. Her hand on my throat, and with the other she tore my shirt from my body as her eyes widened. You're a host. I guess in her excitement, she forgot to let me go and I blacked out. And I woke up. I sat up on my hospital bed, again, in sweats, wide-eyed, open like after a nightmare. I brought my arms to my face, felt my own heart thumping against my chest, and immediately my eyes started to well up. I was mine. The events of earlier overflowed my mind and rippled through my body, constricting my throat, scratching my skin, 
Each drop of sweat in my hair felt like a vile stain left by Samdi. I felt a howl rise from my throat. I had to let the aching out, some of it. But before I could, a hand muzzled my lips. Shh, 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 it's okay. I got you. Shh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but we need to be quiet, okay? I tried to control my breathing and nodded slowly. Samal let her hand drop and opened her arm. I clung to her like a life raft and I wept. But even for that, I had to be muffled. Even the thrashing and raging, the yelling and breaking was taken away from me. Samara and I had to contain it all. She didn't budge. She kept my debris together and didn't let go until I could hold them myself. Shh, shh, shh. I'm here. I'm here. I got you. I'm... I'm so... sorry. No, 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 no. We were supposed to protect you. I can't stay. Samara, I can't stay. He's still here. They... There were voices. I heard prayers. Samara, I heard my people feed him. I can't fight it. Then we'll get him out. You... You can? The chances you'd survive the ritual are slim. And even if you... Samara! Yes, I can. But it'll be our last resort. Right now, we just need a bit more time. And I can give you that. Samar took off her gloves and rolled up her sleeve, revealing the intricate henna she adorned her skin with. How long? A few days, a week at best. Henna is only a solution against minor spirits, but Samji is weak now. It will take him some time to break through. Here? Basim works quick, but not here. Where are the others? Talia? They're not at Nova. Less than a minute had passed before I woke up. My body now held by a weird structure and an upright stone ring that encased my hands and feet and made me look like a sick copy of the Vitruvian men. Only when the cold air got to me did I realize I was just as naked. An officer was drawing a shulk circle on the ground as Jones stepped back into my field of vision. That looks about right. Almost two meters. I'm sure he can do better than that. We're in the presence of an old god, Sergeant. With the blood loss and the blackout, I was barely conscious, so... When Joan poked at my chest, I couldn't have resisted if I tried. Can you read this? Where? You see that? There's words laced in those patterns. Spanish? Mm, I'm not sure. Can you get Thompson down? Thompson is on leave. Not anymore. He's not. Don't. I'm going to ask you a question. One tap means yes and two means no. Got it? Was it work? Will they call again? How many times? I, I mean, three times? And then they'll come. Fuck. Fuck. Fuck! Let me go! Ash released his arms, and I turned to face him. One word. Just one word answers. Okay, tell them, tell them you're coming. Please. Thompson. Yeah. 
on my way. Callum. Please. What am I supposed to do? I didn't... I didn't want any of this. I just... I liked you. And this... I wish I could just throw it away, but I don't look like you. Asher slowly raised his hand, palm open, then brought one above the other and formed a letter T. Time out? <laughs> he shook his head no, and with his finger he traced the letter in the air this time, then pointed at my hands. I frowned and I signed a T back to him, but with the proper spelling. He nodded, and then he asked for three more letters before tapping his chest. All that to say, trust me. <laughs> sure. I guess you won't tell. I can just go, right? You know what? Go ahead. Come on. Say something. But he didn't. And I couldn't do it. I thought about it, you know. If I went back, I would have led them all to Nova. If I tried to hide, I mean, look at me. Even if I killed him, at least a dozen people had seen us together at the bar. I, I just couldn't. So, I let down my wings. In the corner of my mind, I did think, well, maybe he'll try something now. And I'll have no choice but to... It would just be self-defense. Asher didn't even move. He stayed right where he was, looking at me. And then he extended a hand. I took a step back. I, I didn't understand. I, I couldn't understand. It had to be a trap somehow. So I said, You can talk. I know what power feels like. You're not from here, are you? No. Hard times for believers. You make it so. Who told you that? Are they wrong? Do you know how many of us there are in the force? Why does it matter? About 5,000 torture over an entire country. There's almost 10 times that many police officers in London alone. So when we go and investigate a devotion claim in some remote village somewhere, and there's a local druid or whatever that grows medicinal plants to live as babies when the hostel's too far away, what do you think we do? I don't know. Yeah, you don't. We put them on a list, we give them a license for alternative witchcraft, and more often than not, we thank them for the cup of tea, because we don't have the resources to waste on every funny-acting old man with a wizard beard. We're here to help. What the fuck was I still doing there? <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to kill him. I knew I couldn't just ask him if he had ropes laying around, and I... Certainly wasn't going to search the cupboards in a warlock's house, and I, I panicked. There was nothing to calm me down this time. No way to resist the other mind as it answered my dread. Of course I could just fly away. There was nothing faster than me in this world, and nothing to fear in the sky. I would find a place to hide, and I, I would figure it out. I always did. So, I tried. I even made it outside, soared up a couple of meters, but the change happened in a split second. 
Something around me felt different. The air pressure changed, the temperature dropped, and suddenly a gust of wind knocked me back to the ground. I felt... Honestly, I heard like three of my ribs break. And as I clung onto consciousness, I heard only one thing. I'm sorry. The rest of the night, I don't quite remember. Once they realized that I had woken up, they... They injected me with a tranquilizer and... Faces. Dozens and dozens of faces went by and left, scrutinizing me, taking notes, pictures, and... Joan's voice, always in the background. Eventually, the flow of people stopped, but... I still felt someone's hand on me, inspecting me. In a corner of my mind, I remember I couldn't stop thinking about fish on their ice bed at the market. That's how it felt. So, can you read this? It's more like a puzzle. You see those pictograms? Yeah. They're basically hieroglyphs. It's one of the oldest forms of Nahuatl. Aztecs. Got it. Now, what you spotted here, those words, that's Mexicano. Still Nahuatl, but using the Latin alphabet. Which brings me to this. In the roses, right here. Oh, good eye. Yeah, that's just Spanish. What does it say? It says, I love you, my son. Hmm. How long will the rest take you? Uh, a couple hours, maybe more. I just need my notes. Get to it then. Samar locked us both inside a hospital bathroom, then reached for her necklace. I left my clothes on the ground as she said, Miss him. Miss poured under Samar's jacket and spiralled in the air. I never got to see Basim's face, but dozens of tiny smoky hands appeared around me, their claws dipped in ink. It tickled, and the mist felt warm and fuzzy. Jeannie's so sweet. Oh, he's showing off a bit. Look at this. I raised my arm to get a closer look, but a tiny hand slapped my wrist. The movement had messed up his line work. I muttered an apology as Samar tried to contain a laugh. <laughs> she left me a change of clothes, long sleeves, then told me to join her once Basim was done. As soon as his little hands connected the final mark, I felt like a burning needle pierced through my skull. In and out. I gritted my teeth as the pain ebbed away, but something else remained. A sort of weight all around me. The air seemed heavier, my clothes thicker, my lungs smaller. I was weak, human. I started second-guessing each of my movements, shivering for no reason. I tried to shove it all down like usual, told myself, just open the door and get going. But I couldn't move. The ground felt too hard, the room too cold, the world too big. I had to venture outside knowing that a bad fall could just break me. And that's supposed to be fine, that's how things are? How do people do anything? I suddenly felt another scratch at the back of my hand. And in the state I was in, it almost got a scream out of me. I looked down and saw a last wisp of haze melt in the air. 
a smile. He had drawn a smile on my hand. I took a deep breath and stepped out of the bathroom. How do you feel? I can walk. Good. We got out of the hospital without trouble. Nobody even took a second glance at me, and I later learned why. Zmar showed up at the front desk with an SCU badge, courtesy of Bazin. How did you find me? You have more friends than you think. When the SCU brings someone to a hospital, there's always a nurse to notice. Calls get made, and luckily enough, Marcus is usually the first to know. There was a car waiting for us outside. I got in, and to my surprise, Zmar closed the door after me. I said, you're not coming? One out of three, my night is just starting. They're probably waiting in the hideout somewhere, right? When you get back to Nova, Tom Marcus is an idiot. Awaken mother. Find us in your embrace, our blood let no save and save the flesh of new with the blood of old. I think that's it. Save the flesh of new with the blood of old. Each line is repeated, which reads like a chant or oh shit. Thompson. A spell. Of course, it's a spell. What are you looking for? Blood magic. Blood magic. Hemat. There we go. Sightings. Alteration, manipulation, power source. Mexico, 1846, blood as a power source. Unknown process of breaking down vital fluids to generate energy. Energy then converted by the host into shockwaves or protective barriers. Hence the pouches. Drawing energy from blood. Are they talking about heat? Heat wouldn't be enough. I haven't been hit like that in a long time. It says blood is broken down, but look up something for me. We could use calories as an estimate. How many in a pint of blood? 600, 650. Okay, that's 2.57, almost 3 million joules in one pint. 2.7, yeah. You did that in your head. You said it's also a barrier. That's what they wrote. Blocking 3 million joules means that thing could stop a truck on the highway. Is it any blood? No, it has to be sacrificed or pledged. Dead bodies and believers, essentially. Thompson. Is everything okay? I think we just won the war. 745B in Vault 3. I repeat, 745B in Vault 3. Four agents required, over. Thank you, Thompson. You've been a tremendous help. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Code 745B. As I was about to learn, calls for emergency containment. 745A is for demons and cryptids and means immediate termination. 45B is for hosts and means exorcism. I didn't hear the analyst leave the room nor the preparation being made around me, but I know that a standard ritual means that five witches traced a pentacle on the ground around me and brought a red crystal the size of a fist into the room. A call surround. The same type of stone that kept Basim alive, designed to contain the spirit. When backed against a wall, expelled from their host, the god will be forced to choose the closest vessel available. Whatever it is, as long as it can supply the energy they need, and, and if any of you are familiar with the Red Plague, 
you know, that calls for our feet on spiritual energy. Imprisoned in those crystals, God is barely alive anymore. Reduced to their primal essence, to pure power, they become tools, weapons. And after the star was painted on the ground and the crystal placed on my chest, ready to dig into my flesh, the witches stood at each point of the pentagram and reached towards the center, towards me. And then came the chanting. away from me? It's a blank. Of course it is. It was, it was looting. I kept only one thing. The final exhale after it was all over. And the cold stone under me, the sweat on my skin, and, and the silence. My mind was just there was no further to my thoughts. Nothing to explore, no one to remember, and no net to fall back on when everything goes wrong. I was alone. Thank you so much for listening to this bit, I do. I hope you enjoyed it. As usual, thank you to our incredible actors, Tibet Boyer as Shinji, Tami Ige as Talia, Kauter Morshedi as Samar, Emma Blackley-Peach as Joan, and Patrick Hutchinson as Asha. If you love urban fantasy and are looking for another great show to dive into, we suggest you take a listen to one of our favorite podcasts, Dos After You, of which here's a little taste. I've always believed that all those romantic stories where you just made that special someone and the world just changes, are just another capitalist scam. But our story is not one meant for Facebook walls or Twitter threads or big budget Yankee Hollywood movies. This way, when I find you, do you have records of all the times I thought of you? Isn't that romantic? <laughs> ah, see. Ya.
I can't wait to kill you. Thus, After You is a horror urban fantasy audio drama available in English and Spanish. Follow Deck as he travels Europe to find a god he's fallen in love with. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.